0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned, as together we'll study God's Word. He is risen. Hello everybody, my name is Gary. I'm on staff at PCC. And I want to ask, how are you doing sheltering in place? I never would have dreamt Easter would be happening this way. But God knows he's way bigger than this. How are you doing with your shelter in place? I know for me, it's more like shelter in plate. I'm eating everything. I'm eating this out of house and home. But I want to talk about something bigger than sheltering in plate. This morning, I want to talk about hope. I actually did a Google search for our time together on Easter, and what I searched was hope dashed. Oh my gosh, it was was heartbreaking to hear the stories coming out of these five weeks of sheltering in place of graduations canceled. That's our story for two of our daughters. But more than that, weddings postponed. Funerals not even able to be attended because of this shelter in place order. Sports events canceled. Hopes have been dashed this Easter Sunday. And I want to talk about hope. You know, one of my uh, friends forwarded me and shout out to you, Danielle, forwarded me a story of someone whose hope was dashed but her hope wasn't diminished. Her name is Anna Wilson, and she actually, her story appeared this week, Google it, Anna Wilson on ESPN. She's a senior at the Stanford University, plays for the women's basketball team, and as you know, her season was canceled right about the time they were gonna go into March Madness. But the headline says, Anna Wilson, I'm more than a a basketball player, and more than Russell Wilson's sister. That's right, she's the younger sister by 10 years of the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Listen to this article, I'm just gonna give you excerpts. She says, I didn't expect my basketball career to unfold the way it has. And I certainly didn't expect to receive a Twitter notification telling me that my senior season at Stanford is coming to an abrupt end because of a global pandemic. I thought I'd have a few more games and a chance to make a run at the championship." She goes on to talk about this isn't the first time her hopes have been dashed. She tells her story of growing up in the East Coast and when she was 12 years old her dad passed away. And then she found shelter in basketball and continued to pursue a basketball career. She made a commitment to Stanford University and during the McDonald's All-American game at the end of her senior year of high school, she suffered a severe concussion and she was out for eight months. Talk about Hope's dashed. We're going to pick up the story there. She says, I started searching for success outside of basketball. If I didn't play sports again, what could I possibly do that still brings value into the world? Her idol had fallen. She says, what else would give me purpose? And then she said, this is where faith comes in. She quotes John 3.30 in the article on ESPN website. She says, this is where faith comes in. He must increase, I must decrease. For me, this means I must put Jesus first and he's more important than anything else. I've had to learn that life is not about me. She finishes the article with Hope talking about in her senior year on the Stanford University basketball team having the season cut short. She says, I know whatever I end up doing, I'll be able to give everything I've got because of what I've been through. With all the ups and downs of being a student athlete at the most competitive academic and athletic university in the world, I've learned more than I could possibly imagine. I've had friends and mentors for a lifetime. She said, when I lost my dad, God provided an entire family to help me become the woman I am today. And I love this last line. I know my dad would be so proud. You know, I bring this up because the Easter story actually begins with hopes dashed. There's a dead body that's been brutally massacred and killed, that's been in a grave for three days. Every follower of Jesus Christ is scattered. The Jesus movement is over. And with that context, these words start the Easter story. An angel appears and asks this question. In a biography of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, the angel asks, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. I love this. He's risen. See, our whole faith, Christianity, rests on that one statement. Because it means, because of Jesus, because of the empty tomb, it means dead things don't stay dead. It means, as it says in the Chronicles of Narnia, that one day everything sad will become untrue. It means that the worst thing, like a crucifixion, doesn't have to be the last thing. And that's the hope we have of Easter. I wanna do two things in our time together today. I want you first to hear some, from some friends of mine, pcc and hear their story of hope. You're gonna love that. And then I wanna take us to a week later after the resurrection. And I'm not making this up where Jesus' followers were sheltered in place. And Jesus enters in to a room where hopes are dashed, maybe like where you're viewing me right now. And he says some things and reveals himself in such a way that hope is inspired and raised. But first, let's meet two PCCers. I want you to meet Lindsay and Alex. Alex has been married for one year. She works at Recology right off the 101, and she has a passion for the environment. She worships with us at PCC Hudson. Lindsay worships with us at PCC 905, and she lives in San Mateo with her husband. She's actually a digital health coach. Listen to their stories of hope.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Alex, and this is why I have hope this Easter. You see, it wasn't until I went up to Oregon for college that I really started to explore my faith. I'd grown up here in the Bay Area in a culture of the unchurched. And in fact, when I wanted to read the Bible, I didn't know where to get one. The only place that I could think of was to go to a hotel room because I didn't have any Christian friends and I'd never been to church before. So when I first started reading the Bible, I read it like a textbook. And it wasn't until I prayed my first prayer Asking Jesus to reveal himself, did I truly read the word with an open heart and an open mind. And since then, God has transformed my life. It's so interesting to think that I grew up in a unchristian, non-religious household, and I'm here today to declare Jesus is our savior and our living hope during this time. Happy Easter, everyone.
2: Happy Easter, PCC. He is risen. My name is Lindsay Warren and my husband Seth and I go to the 905 and I wanted to tell you today that I have hope this Easter because our God is a God that um, intimately straddles life and death Um, and at least our concepts of what we think are life and death. Um, He redefines them and I've really learned that over the past year. Um, About a year ago uh, we were devastated when um, our son that I was pregnant with um, came too early and he was born straight into his father's arms in heaven and from that moment on I have walked lockstep in The the waters of grief and in the waters of death uh, my husband and I have and um, I have to say that I If you were to ask me how I've survived this last year, I really don't know what I would tell you, um, except for to say that I was carried through it. I was carried by God, and I was carried by the body of Christ, and um, I was met in the deepest, darkest, muddiest places, and um, he brought light into those places. And I know I'm using a lot of picture imagery here that's not clear, but I can say that I know for sure that there is hope because our God is a God of life and He has conquered
0: death. Incredible, right? That same hope can be your hope too. Now, let's go into the shelter-in-place story in the Gospels. In John chapter 20, John's one of the biographers of Jesus. We're going to pick up the story in John 20 after the resurrection, verse 24. Here we go. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus showed up. He had scattered and somehow was late to the party. And Jesus was already gone after making his post-resurrection appearance to these disciples. So the other disciples told him. And in the original language it means, uh, it says they continually told him. They they told him time and time again. What did they tell him? We've seen the Lord. Here's what's important about that. If you're not identifying as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear me. Our faith doesn't rest on the teachings of Jesus, or on the miracles of Jesus, not even on the way of life of Jesus. And here's why, because when Jesus was crucified, all that died with Him. Everyone scattered. But this statement, what they said in verse 25, again and again and again, we've seen the Lord, He's alive, that is the statement of hope. That is the statement our faith rests on. But listen to Thomas's reaction. He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, now here's where it gets a little weird, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, now we're beyond weird into the gross category. But don't miss this, here's what he's saying. Hey, unless I do my own personal autopsy, I won't believe you. Literally, it says, I will not believe. Let those words linger. This is defiant doubt. Uh, He's choosing skepticism. Uh, Here's the point I want to get across. Uh, Thomas didn't want to believe. He was actually settled and okay with his defiant unbelief. I mean, why didn't he ask questions? I would put myself in the story and I go, gosh, I would at least say, tell me more. Remember, he followed him for three years. Where is he now? What did he look like? Here's the question I would really ask. What was he wearing? Because remember his grave clothes were in the tomb. But let's give Thomas a break and let's remember, maybe you don't know this, but Thomas was one of Jesus' closest followers, one of the 12. He followed Jesus for three years of his life. This is the doubt of somebody who's had their heart broken and doesn't ever want to be hurt again. You can relate to that, I know I can. Of someone who, for whom life didn't turn out the way they hoped, and so they walled their heart So they never have to feel hurt again. And so he's not going to hope in a ghost. He's saying, you know what? I need hard evidence. Otherwise I don't believe it. Can I ask you a question? We see what feeds Thomas's doubts. I really mean this sincerely. What feeds your doubts? Was it an experience? that you had that feeds your doubts? Uh, as I talk with people sometimes when they say, I just can't believe in Jesus. They say, you know what, I can't believe in a good God. And they talk about an event in history that was very painful for them. Why would he allow that? Or event in history, the Rwandan massacre, 9-11, something else like that. Why would he allow that if he's so good? Or they recall something that was done to them evil, pain came on them and like, I can't reconcile that with a good God. Or it's the evil, like I said, that you've seen in the world. Other people, it's the hypocrisy of someone who identifies as a Christ follower. And we're all hypocrites, right? I don't know what it is that's caused your defiant doubt or your defiant skepticism that's put a wall up, maybe for you, that says, you know what? I'm never gonna let myself get hurt again. I'm never gonna give my life or trust in Jesus ever again or even for the first time. But let's pick up the story and see what Jesus does with people who are defiant and skeptical. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So he's been with them for a whole week, and they've been continually saying, We've seen the Lord. No, really, we saw Him. No, really, we saw Him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And He said this, and this is a word for many of us this Easter Sunday, Peace be with you. And I imagine Thomas is there in the room with everyone else, and Jesus says, Thomas, verse 27, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting Thomas and believe. I love this. Jesus appears and meets Thomas right where he is. Not showing up with shame. Not showing up with judgment. Not showing up with disappointment. He doesn't show up through the locked doors of his heart in the room saying, now Thomas I expected more from you. No, he meets him right in his pain. And I just want to say this, wherever you're watching this, whether you're alone or with a group, he'll meet you in your pain, where your hopes are dashed too. Most of us know John 3.16, it's a famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know what John 3, 17 says? I love this verse. For God didn't send His Son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. <laughs> Jesus isn't on a mission of condemnation. Jesus didn't show up to judge you, but to rescue you. And that's what He's going to do with Thomas. Look at Thomas's response. Verse 28, Thomas said to Him, My Lord and my God. Friends, this is the clearest Declaration around the identity of Jesus Christ in all the Gospels. And it started with hopes dashed. Now let's look at it for a second, just a little bit deeper. First of all, it is a declaration. Thomas was Jewish, he was monotheistic, and yet he knew there's only one God, and he's saying, Jesus, now I know you're Him. You are God. Every claim you made about yourself, the resurrection just authenticated because you're alive again. And then he says, you're the Lord. In other words, that word just means master. You are worth all my allegiance. And that's the second thing. He makes it personal. So he doesn't just say you're the Lord and the God. He says, you know what? For me, you're my God. And for me, I'm giving you my life. You call the shot from now on. You're the Lord. Did you notice that Thomas never did his autopsy? He didn't need to. Why? Because more than seeing the evidence, you know what he needed? A revelation. I actually debated this Easter message and thought, you know what? Do we talk about the evidence of the resurrection, the empty tomb, and go into the history and talk about archaeology and all that? And You can Google it. Google this, Jesus' resurrection, evidence that demands a verdict. And you can see all the evidence you'll ever need around the fact that the tomb was empty. But you know what we need more than evidence? You need a revelation. You need um, an experience of Jesus showing up and meeting you right where you are. And that's what I've been praying for, for this Easter. I have family members who've experienced that same revelation we're praying for you. I'm hearing stories uh, weekly from people around the world where it's illegal to be a Christian, where Jesus is showing up, revealing himself right where they are. And that's what Thomas got. And that's what we're praying for for this Easter. So then verse 29 in this passage says this. Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you believe. Now this is uncanny. And then as if Jesus could see thousands of years into the future, as if Jesus could see in April 12, 2020, where you're watching it, he speaks to you and me on this Easter Sunday. And he says this, blessed are those who've not seen, that's us, right? And yet you believed. What's he talking about? What does it mean to be blessed? Remember that opening story about Anna Wilson? That's what it means to be blessed doesn't mean that life doesn't throw you some hard knocks, this is life. Life happens to everybody whether you identify as a follower of Christ or not. But it means you have a hope beyond this life, greater than this life, a presence with the living God where you realize, you know what, this is hard, but one day uh, I will experience a caliber of life with the living God and with those I love who died in Christ where all that is wrong will be righted. That's what it means to be blessed. And Jesus says, even though you've never seen me, you can be blessed if you believe. Here's the last thing I want to say to you. Friend, we can live with hope. Yeah, we've had small hopes dashed. None of us expected this shelter in place and a pandemic and everything we're experiencing this Easter Sunday. But we can bring all our pain, all our doubts and bring them right into the presence of Jesus and ask Jesus to reveal Himself and meet us in the pain. It's why I think He showed up in that room with scars still, because He fully identifies with the human experience. He's no less God, but neither is He no less human. And this God-man came to earth and died on a cross. He took the punishment we deserve, the wrath of God, so that we could live in relationship with God forever. The Bible calls that eternal life and eternal life begins today if you place your faith in God so I want to close in prayer I want to invite us just to wherever you are just to pause and I want to invite all of us to go into that presence of God I'm going to pray for us and give him our hopelessness and I'm going to give some of you the chance to make that exchange and to say to God take my brokenness take my doubts take who I am Jesus forgive me I want you to be my Lord in my God. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking right now for people who are watching that we would know you in a more intimate way and trust you like never before. For those of us who know you that we would shine like you mentioned in your Sermon on the Mount. We would be a light and hope for people. Wherever you are, would you pray with me if you're hurting, if you're afraid, would you say, you know what, I'm a believer, but I need to renew my trust and realign my hopes with God. Would you just pray with me right now? Father, would you meet me where I am? Would you spark in me a new hope, new trust? And would you energize me to be able to live in a way that brings you glory and brings good to people? Now, I realize some of you who are watching, this isn't normal for you. And heck, we left normal five weeks ago. But maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Today could be the day Jesus has revealed himself. And as I've been speaking, something's been stirring. And you're going, you know what? I do want him to be my Lord and my God. I'm going to close our time in prayer praying. And you can join me in prayer and make my prayer your prayer and begin a relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are and for giving us your son, Jesus. Would you forgive me? Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you. Would you be my God and my Lord? Would you fill me with your spirit so I can trust you and live for you? Thank you for the offer of new life. I receive it as a gift in exchange, I give you the brokenness of my life. Make me new. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. Com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.